Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents. If you feel depressed and if you feel anxious and you feel confused, you know what? Welcome to the club. Gazpacho police. Oh my God. What a stupid son of a bitch. He believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. The Betches Sup Podcast. Sayonara, sucker. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Sup Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. We were just chatting a little bit before this, and I was telling Caitlin, I find it very boring when people just talk about how tired they are, but I'm so (laughs) tired. We're all so tired. I mean, sometimes the answer to how are you is just tired, very tired, (laughs) very tired. It's been a tiring, a tiring couple weeks, just so much input all of the time, so much news stories personal stuff's happening with everybody. It's been it's been a rough one. Elise, I wanted to ask you, you know, we're, we just entered cancer season, right? Yes, we did. We did. The 20th. Tell us what this means for us. I mean, can you tell us about cancer season and, and what does it bode for, for the political and cultural climate? Well, I actually think it's probably kind of a nice time yeah. for the political climate if we abide, if if mm-hmm. uh, the powers that be decide to lean in to cancer's energy, <laughs> Um, It is like a very emotionally driven time. So it's one where like you should be able, you should be able to more easily connect emotionally, especially with those closest to you. Um, It's kind of like a cancers are kind of not like homebodies, but like they do love to be at home. And in the home. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's a good time for like rest and relaxation. Cancer's a water sign. Yes. So it's very deep, very flowy. We're it's trying we're we're cooling off. Mm-hmm. Uh it's a it's like a cooling energy as far as seasons go. So, you know, if I don't know what um number of senators are cancers. I'd actually love to know the breakdown of Congress, like sign wise. We can find out. That I'm would sure be really, it's gotta be mad bit, Scorpios. I'm sure that there's a little, I mean, probably like a lot of Leos and Libras to be mm-hmm. honest, but there's, um, there's probably, a, I would, I would be interested to know if any senators are cancers. We can keep an eye on them this season and see if they're out. Somebody has definitely compiled. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That feels good. I feel like I, I want to, we should definitely start every month that way. Already, this is not a new revelation. Like astro- astrology, like whether you're willing to believe in it or not, it's just a nice way to frame time passing. Like what a nice way to think about the next month. It's a cooling off period. Try to connect. That's great. That's kind of how I always think of astrology too. Like do I necessarily actually believe that like stars are influencing what I'm doing probably not but I do like the framework of like Mm -hmm. now is a time where we think about and it is like seasonally based too so there is something to being like it gets really hot and so people do kind of want to go indoors and like cool it down and all of that stuff so 
you can take what you want from yes. it. And this, if you want more astrology from me, you can sign up for the Blame It on Retrograde newsletter. By you batches. must. You simply must. Yes. I mean, it makes sense that they're doing the uh, the July 4th recess. Maybe that will. I can't believe we've been like hearing about July 4th recess, like July 4th is around the corner. It is. It's what? July? It's June 22nd. But I've been talking about the July 4th recess since like May. Well, because they get to start taking off like at the end of this week, I mm-hmm. believe, for the July 4th. It's recess. very funny. That's like if gun legis- if we do not pass the first meaningful gun legislation in decades before they have to go and do a July 4th parade, it will simply never happen. <laughs> yeah. Before they go on another one of their many vacations. Yeah. Caitlin, how are you? How have you, how have you been? How's it going? Uh, COVID again. <laughs> no. <laughs> Devastating. Who? What? What did you do in a former life, Caitlin? I don't know. I do know that I felt socially bullied into not masking in a large collection of people. So that is Fuck. that is why I got COVID. Just just in case anyone's like, it's over. It is very not over. Um, and I am normally a person who like I I actually pack like a ton of masks in my luggage like that was part of the process was like okay I'm gonna have really high quality masks with me and I did and then the one place fuck where it was kind of like oh we're all here it's all fine no no people it is not fine wear masks that is uh what I have to say for people who are out there in the world I'm so sorry that is so brutal you were saying you got it two times with symptoms in six weeks symptomatic covid in april and then again in june and it's it's about twice in two months that is really scary space between them was about six weeks like from when i stopped testing positive to when i tested positive again so yeah um i either i didn't even like talk about it on the pod because it was so stressful to me but i either got double whammy covid where like you got it run right after the other like yeah this was like right before my trip and it was like so upsetting to me that i just was like i can't even discuss that i think i have covid again there's also something with paxlovid that you can get like a rebound Mm, interesting there's i mean there's not Again, it's like it's one of those things where we don't have like all the information, but I either got double whammy COVID where I just got two different strains and had COVID twice um, or I had the rebound, Mm -hmm. the Paxlovid rebound where you like get your symptoms again. But there was like a period right before we were about to go on the trip where I was like, I feel like hell and I have COVID again. And Danny had just had COVID and I was like, this is really not good but then yeah i think it was the either this rebound or i just got another strain again but stay vigilant out there people because yeah, you man. will get fucking covid yeah i mean not that you know anyone should fly with covid but like weren't you guys in spain like wow that when they dropped the rule that you had to test negative yeah they did drop we didn't have to do it because we actually like didn't have to show any of the stuff because it had dropped at like midnight the night yeah. maybe like two nights prior midnight they no longer that's great, but like these, it goes to show that like both of you could have ne- could technically been cleared to travel COVID free with well getting COVID again. So it just really, I mean, yeah. obviously this week they said little babies can get vaxxed. Thank God. I would not have tested positive before flying back to New York. Like I, oh, really? I, I, it was like I got it probably Saturday or Sunday, and it didn't manifest until like Monday, Tuesday. 
Like, I didn't have symptoms until Wednesday, basically. When I flew out to L.A., it was the same deal. Like, when I got COVID the first time. My <laughs> what first is going go on around. in L.A.? Well, you got it here and then caught it in L.A. And then, yeah. Well, no, I got I had it. I got it in New York, but I tested positive once I was in L.A. I had been testing negative, like tested negative the day of my flight, tested negative the day before my flight. But since you're contagious two days before you test positive even I know that I was like contagious on this flight and the guy next to me they had like just dropped the mask rule and the guy next to me wasn't wearing a mask and he was also playing stuff out loud on his cell phone and I had to ask him to either he and I had to ask him to stop and he was like I don't have headphones and I was like sounds like a you problem problem, my dude (laughs) sounds like you should have brought headphones for the six hour flight It reminds me of that moment in The Good Place where they say that, like, taking off your shoes and socks on a commercial airline will get you in the bad place. And I was like, (laughs) who does? And someone's like, who does that? It's like, it does happen. People playing things off of their cell phone like that. That is some, like, New York subway energy. That's not not trapped in a metal tube in the sky energy. (laughs) absolutely not right like i get it annoys me when people do it on the subway but i keep to myself yeah because i'm getting off the subway in a minute yeah on in a plane no you're getting uh hello sir can you turn that down (laughs) yeah or if not i'm pressing the flight attendant button i mean moral of the story pandemic travel remains terrible Remains yeah, completely if you wear terrible. masks, I swear to you that it will protect people. One of the things that my partner and I have been doing is we sleep separately and I wear a mask whenever I'm in the same space. As of mm-hmm. so far in this pandemic, despite the fact that he goes to work every day, he has not gotten COVID at all this entire pandemic. And he has been out and physically doing a regular five should study him. day a week, nine to five since like May 2020. So he's not gotten it and he wears high quality masks and he wears them every day and he does not take them off. And he comes in here and he wears a mask until I put mine on. And like, yeah, it's been a while since I've heard, you know, I I was completely double masked and still got it. I mean, I feel like one change we've heard is that like people get it and they're kind of like, you know, I think I know exactly, exactly uh, what happened. But let's let's move on to our our main our main topics for today. We're going to couple cover a couple news stories and then Bridget is going to join us for support and suppress. Caitlin, I don't think you've been here since we started this game, but we're basically doing a game every Thursdays or just days where we need a game or it's just like an approve, disapprove, but, you know, support, suppress. So we will. We're going to talk about the, uh, if you've been waiting for us to talk about that New York Magazine article canceled at 17, we'll be, we'll be doing it there. Guess which one of us supports <laughs> it. Just kidding. I don't think it Hey, American Fever Dream listeners. I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. 
There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying. He loves airplanes. He loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Every day this month has either been a Supreme Court decision day or a day where we find out about another upcoming decision day or a day where we're worried we're going to find out about a decision day. Worried all the time. Elise did a very funny video about this that I know. Um, I saw a lot of comments that people who were not you were like, how did you get this footage of me? So everybody <laughs> is on the same page just on a hair trigger. So the court added another decision day this week tomorrow, which freaks me the fuck out. I mean... That freaks me out, just knowing that people like to bury the lead on Fridays, but this is obviously such a like huge, huge thing. I can't imagine that they would strategically do that, but I do not like a Friday decision. Oh, it feels like they will to me. They're so sneaky and like, I feel like they've done stuff like this before with like abortion cases where they like release it at a week, they do like a Friday drop or whatever so that Brett Kavanaugh can get back to his get back to his house so that Brett, we can make sure Brett Kavanaugh is safe. Very he important. has a lot of beer drinking to do for the weekend so um, just drop that abortion case and head on out. But I'm also like if you want to enjoy your weekend, Brett, then cuz I'm coming to I live far away from you, Brett, but I'm going to your house this weekend. I don't know. I mean, I know I know we got a little <gasps> scared of it when the guy you? went with a gun, but I'm Uncivil. I'm not going to bring a gun. According to New York, we'll talk about this. I can have a fucking gun wherever I want. <laughs> so. oh, Jesus Christ! It's like it's just so very obvious that like the court exists to insulate itself and its political benefactors from any kind of scrutiny or responsibility. Yeah, you can carry a gun anywhere, but it's uncivil to like be outside of peacefully outside of their houses. And you're like, the, these things don't make sense. Like if you want a less dangerous society for you, then why are you letting everybody have guns? But it's like, well, it's not supposed to apply to us. We'll yeah. Also, didn't to. Christine Blasey Ford have to move like five times <laughs> yeah, after she gave her Constantly. testimony? <laughs> Didn't she like yeah, have I mean, to leave boss, her yeah. job? And yeah, exactly. Aren't like Georgia election workers who just are random poll workers? They have to like change their name and move to a new town and can't go to the grocery store. But okay, yeah, no, Brett Kavanaugh is the one that we need to be thinking about. Yeah. And it truly is amazing that they're we're waiting for them any day now to say that the Constitution doesn't give people the right to seek an abortion when they haven't seemed to have any regard for the Constitution decisions that they have handed down this week. Early in the week, they said that actually Maine isn't allowed to keep church and state separate if they want to make an effort to do that. Actually, no. So they struck down a Maine state ban on using government funds to bankroll religious schools. This this is crazy. Basically, like schools are already allowed. Like you can use it's a rural Maine community that I don't think has its own like locally funded schools. But but the but the community is still responsible for educating the young the children. So they can either you know coordinate a contract with another public school or they can bankroll those kids going to a private school. And Maine has decided it doesn't want government funds to support religious teachings in you know general education. 
um, the court has said you cannot, you cannot prevent this. You have to use taxpayer money, atheist taxpayer money, Jewish people's taxpayer money, uh, Muslim people's taxpayer money to support uh, the the deeply Christian education of young people. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. No, I mean it's just. Uh it seems like a pretty reasonable rule to be like, we'll help you send your kid to a secular private school because we don't have other secular education options available to you. But like anywhere else, if you want to send your kid to a religious school, then that's on you. So that's this. And that is the same everywhere. It's you. If you want to send your kid to a religious school, that's you pay for that out of your own education, but the school, but the state will provide you with the secular education seems very normal, but the court didn't even say like, you can't use the funds. They actually can. They just said you can't ban using the funds. Like they really uh, just were like, absolutely. You cannot ban using these funds. Well, it's just really interesting. Cause I've been listening to the latest season slate is doing a slow burn season on Roe v. Wade. And today or this week's episode was about like, the court deciding Roe and oh my gosh, I literally listened to it this morning. I think his name is Henry Blackburn was the justice who like wrote the opinion Blackburn. and he was um, appointed by Nixon. He was like a Republican guy, but he really took time to look at this case and he really like, they talked about how thoroughly he went through all of the arguments and thought about all of these things and how like uh, his friend who was the Chief Justice at the time actually changed his mind and voted in favor, like, to make wow. Roe a thing. Because and it's it's just so different than the court that we see now, where it's like every single person we're like, this person would never change their mind. This person would never like actually look at the facts of the case and think about it that way. I mean, we have Clarence Thomas, who we've talked about a million times, is like literally compromised on every single issue. Shouldn't even be there. And there's just no way that we're, we would get that kind of like a thorough and thoughtful review from a conservative justice on the court today. It's just really interesting to think about in terms of what we're seeing now, which is just a completely partisan hack job of a court. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like a great weekend listen because I actually listened somewhere. I didn't know much about like that opinion or how they came to it, but obviously it's it's timely and uh, and important. One more other gnarly thing the Supreme Court did that really makes me question um, their their command of the Constitution is that they struck down a New York law that placed strict restrictions on carrying concealed firearms in public for self defense. Awesome. They said New York really. This is. Awesome. For New York to require applicants seeking a concealed carry license demonstrate a, quote, proper cause for needing self-defense, which we do, is unconstitutional. New York has had this law for 108 years. Awesome. Um, fucking, we had this law when weapons couldn't even do what they can now. There was a shooting on the subway this year. A bad one. All these, these politicians manipulate voters by talking about how bad crime is. And then you have the Supreme Court saying, actually, New Yorkers can't decide for themselves what kind of public safety they want. Actually, mm -hmm. that's all up to us. Well-regulated is just like the most ignored set of words inside a constitution I've ever seen. I've ever seen. The, and what's wild is like one of the things that I'm doing right now is going back to the Federalist Papers um, and read, read, read you know, read, read one the of the arguments things. that they were making because mm -hmm. it, 
fundamentally, if you want to talk about like, okay, so what were the arguments that were happening at the time? They literally outlined like, you think this could go bad, but this is why you should adopt the constitution. It's going to prevent blah, blah, blah. And I was like, they're literally telling you that this is why they're, they've constructed things exactly as they have. And you guys are just like blatantly ignoring it. So that way you can project your idea of what society should be back onto the founders Absolutely. and then call them gods and then say, we can't change anything. It's like, they legitimately said that they did not, they don't want a standing army, a thing that we have. They didn't want us to, that's the only reason people were allowed to keep arms in their homes the limits on those were extremely high. Like you couldn't keep like military, a cannon in your house, like whatever the equivalent is to the stuff that we have today. Like you could not keep that. The point was, is that at some point they might need armed group to settle a problem. And in order to make that possible, you needed people who were allowed to keep weapons. But it's more like Switzerland, everybody who's a citizen is also in the army kind of thing, more than a, oh, you know, everybody gets guns and whenever we feel like, we just shoot each other. And it's just like, what? why is this happening? Like, it's, uh, I, I... Why would you think that the founders wrote that and then constantly laud their intellect and genius? Because that's that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. They literally say <laughs> the opposite. We've, we, the, the court has ruled that there are reasonable restrictions on rights in the Constitution before. Like, again, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater and not have repercussions for that. So this idea that the Second Amendment of all of all of the rights that are enumerated, that the Second Amendment is the only one that we can't place any kind of we can't mess with it at all. There is no way that you can restrict it in any way, shape or form when other ones that we have that I think most people would agree are more important free speech that can be restricted a little bit that can you know there's hate speech that you can be in trouble for there's again the crowded theater thing like freedom of religion you can't do human sacrifices you can't say oh i like i actually can kill people because my religion says that i can so like and at least like human sacrifice is a part of allowing guns (laughs) like I mean, literally, but it's it's just so crazy that there are so many instances where it's like, well, this is a right until you use it to kill people. And except for the one that kills people. <laughs> like, it's so crazy. It makes, I mean, it boggles the mind. And it's just actually really scary living in New York to think that now in New York City, pe- more people will have guns. Yeah, the, the the danger of it is like so many of the guns are not coming from inside New York. And it really, it steps on the very obvious federalist argument that like, if you limit the ability for a state to even regulate itself in terms of like the impact it's having on that state, like I'm sure Kansas does not need very many coastal laws. Like they just don't, they are in the middle of the country. But it's kind of a big deal for New York to be able to regulate coasts. So you need, (laughs) we need that. And it's like, you won't even allow that like states have different incentives and different needs uh, with regards to these enumerated rights. 
which were very obviously left to the states and kind of like, okay, to the degree that we're even in a philosophical argument right now, it's, it's all out the window. Everything is about rationalizing, creating a logical argument that creates the impact that they want. So they're arguing backwards all the times. Like, Oh, we want people to be able to do whatever they want. They're all in like a high school debate class. And, and so it's, it's just like, it's like the most annoying thing in the world. It's really like a six year old arguing why they can eat cookies for dinner. Right. And we're just like, well, that's the branch of government. That's what they said. But that is the level. That's the level of discourse. I mean, Clarence Thomas wrote in the six to three opinion that this requirement and the licensing system that it violates people's Second Amendment. Right. As we've been saying, but I just wanted to pull one part from the opinion. He said, quote, we know of no other constitutional right than that an individual may exercise only after demonstrating to government officers some special need, which is interesting because it sure looks like they're about to let a bunch of states uh, ban abortion unless they can prove that they were raped or raped by um, a family member. You know what? Before you get into what rights we have, can we talk about how your wife was trying to overthrow the government last year? Maybe. What are we going to talk about? When are we going to have that conversation? (laughs) Yeah. Now that we have you here, Clarence, I actually have a couple (laughs) of questions about something else. Um, Yes. (laughs) Speaking of government rights and the right of Uh government to do things, the right of the government to regulate elections, you know, and not have your wife try to overturn them. You know, just interesting there. Interesting. It's interesting too because I was I pointed out uh, before we went on that um, of the the five of the six conservative justices, five of them on the bench right now were appointed by presidents who mm-hmm. were did not win the popular vote, and then on top of that, and you can talk about like George Bush's reelection or whatever, but the first time he got into he wouldn't have been able to be re- reelected if he hadn't gotten. Wrongly like in the first yeah, place. people always pull that. Alito was in like his second, his his incumbent term. But, right? they, but they didn't win the popular vote. And now they're, these people are allowed, just allowed to contend in making laws for us forever. And the one person who was elected by, was selected by a president who won the popular vote has a wife who tried to overthrow the government last year. So like, <laughs> I just feel like maybe something's deeply illegitimate about these group of people who think that they can tell us what we're allowed to do. But when we, we look at it, it's like, well, we didn't agree to you. <laughs> None of you has any imprimatur to make these decisions. Right. Absolutely. It's also like, like you were saying, Caitlin, I mean, every state has its own need. And it seems like the court and especially I think even Kavanaugh and maybe Roberts like wrote their own opinion, I think, saying like states are allowed to uh, ban having guns in like certain public spaces or situations that could be dangerous. Like I think even during arguments, Amy Coney Barrett was like, we need to talk about, you know, could New York, you know, not allow guns like during New Year's Eve in Times Square. But, and I know New York state is not all New York city, but simply having a dense enough, the, the population density that we do makes letting people just have guns everywhere feel dangerous and feels like something we should be able to control for ourselves. And like I said, like, Create the type of public safety that 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 we want. I mean, it's crazy. Well, I'm excited for the summer of guns. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, another another light topic today before we get to support as a press, and that is um, some of the January 6th testimony. A lot of really upsetting moments this week. Um, of course, some of the testimony from Shea Moss and the January 6th committee hearing. So in December 2020, Rudy Giuliani publicly claimed that she and her mother, who was a fellow poll worker in Fulton County, Georgia, had rigged the election outcome against Donald Trump. So, I mean, you can only imagine the viciousness of the threat she received, that her mother received, that her grandmother received, that her child received, not just threats, but attempts to break into her grandmother's home to find evidence of fraud. Let's uh, just listen to her for a minute in this clip. Um, I received a call from my grandmother. This woman is my everything. I've never even heard her or seen her cry ever in my life. And... um, she called me screaming at the top of her lungs, like, Shay, Shay, oh my gosh, Shay, just freaking me out, saying that um, there were people at her home and they, um, you know, they knocked on the door and of course she opened it and seeing who was there, who it was, and they just started pushing their way through, claiming that they were coming in to make a citizen's arrest. They needed to find me and my mom. They knew we were there. Um, and she was just screaming and, and didn't know what to do. And I wasn't there. So, you know, I just felt so helpless and so horrible for her. And she um, was just screaming. I told her to close the door. Don't open the door for, for anyone And um no, she's a 70-something, I won't say, year old woman, and she she doesn't like having restrictions. She wants to answer the door. She likes to get her steps in, walking around the neighborhood, and I had to tell her, like, you can't do that. You, you have to be safe. Um, you know, she would tell me that at night um, people would just continuously send pizzas over and over to her home, um, you know, and they were expecting her to pay for these large amounts of pizzas. And and she went through a lot that she didn't um, have to. And once again, it it made me just feel so horrible. Gut-wrenching. What stood out to you the most when when watching this? I know, Elise, this really, I mean, this really stuck with all of us, but... Yeah, I mean, it's just wild to see the way that they would play with just a regular person's life. And like, it's not lost on me that Giuliani picked a random black woman and her mother to pin the entire election, (laughs) to pin Donald Trump's loss in Georgia um, on just like a random civil servant uh, who I don't know why he selected her other than. Like, she probably fit the bill in his mind of someone who he thinks would rig the election. You can extrapolate from that what you will. But it was just, it really, like, it really made me sad to think about this poor woman who, like, was doing what is normally just a pretty average everyday job. It's literally a public service. Um, Again, she's truly a civil servant. And that you can that it's now become a dangerous thing where you can be chosen by a lackey of the president and held up in this way and have your life ruined. I mean, she said that she's afraid to go to the grocery store. 
She said she doesn't want to tell people her name. She says that she's gained 60 pounds just because she doesn't leave the house anymore, which is, you know, this has upended this woman's life. And for no reason, I just think, I think what disturbed me about it is just the randomness of it. Like that Rudy Giuliani will just select your name and then say it because they have no regard for even like an average American person. This isn't even people who were involved in their shitty government. This is just a random woman who works the polls every year and was doing it again. And now her life has been completely upended by Donald Trump. It really invoked for me um, reconstruction and the this sense of like widespread stochastic terrorism <laughs> where like it was very normalized to just attack black people for existing and trying to thrive in any meaningful way. And I don't think her, as Elise said, the race is definitely not incidental to the choice. Um, And it's definitely the level of impact, like, and there are a lot of election officials uh, who said that they basically, their lives were threatened over this, this experience. And it's just kind of like, it feels very unreal like how how far things have moved that like you know it, i remember when Barack Obama was like oh that cop acted stupidly in like stopping like arresting Skip Gates on his own porch and it was just kind of like and then people were like oh my god he put all this pressure on this cop and look at him weaponizing the presidency and i was and like now it's just extremely regular to have the president of the United States say that people who disagree with him or might not even disagree with him, just function not at his whim are threats who have to be attacked, like existential threats to him because now I guess we live in a monarchy. Like it's just kind of like a a kind of sickness and yeah, this has a long legacy in the country. It's really unfortunate. It's deeply disturbing that it's rebounding again. Yeah, I mean, just for her to describe people breaking into her home, I mean, this woman is like, and I would never want her to hear people say this, but like, she is lucky to be alive. Like, she's not wrong to be petrified and to not want to leave her home and all of the closest people to her all of the, I mean, just like, she was like my, you know, she's like, they're, they're harassing my only, my only child. It's, it's really sick. And it seems like people were, were impacted by it. And I, even I, like, there was just so much going on at that time that I don't think, I think I really took for granted what they did for, to her. Um, and so to, to, to be able to have that again and to retroactively, like, see what they put her through and see that they, you know, just stared at hours of footage until they saw two black women, like, touching hands and decided that they could convince people that, you know, they were handing over USBs. And as she said, she was handing her mom a mint. Why would you ever be an election worker? And black women make up a, a lot of election workers if if this could happen. Like, oh, God. It, it really scares me just the, I don't know, it's one of those things where it's like the randomness of it. Like that you could just be doing a job that you've done a million times and you hand your mom a mint and because it was caught on camera and because it was caught up in this thing that like the most powerful person in the world is going to have your name come out of his associate's mouth and he's going to sick these people on you. Whereas like 
I thought that, I think it was like the Arizona Secretary of State. He gave, mm-hmm. I thought, really moving testimony too. But at the same time, like you are, an, you are the Arizona Secretary yeah, of State. Right, right. You ran for a job that involves monitoring elections. It's probably crossed your mind. Like, oh, I could have to monitor a contentious election one day. This woman, that's not her. She should not have ever, like, she's not involved in that. And so that's what's really, um, it's just really scary to me that they wouldn't even stop at just a regular average American and ruining their lives. It does feel like a monarchy and like, it's like, you were caught saying a a rhyme about the king. And Mm -hmm. now, like, we're going to put you in the stocks or whatever. One of the things that was really, that really stood out to me was like how she was so proud. And one of the things I've been kind of looking into and kind of peeling back is about being patriotic and black in this country, because patriotism has to take on a very different kind of meaning. Um, And I think, you know, James Baldwin talked about how he like loved this, like so many black writers so many black artists have talked about how the love for their the country is a belief that it, it is possible. Like the, 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 the principles, like the hypocrisy that sits at the core of it can actually be fixed. And that's like a deep and abiding love. And she talked about how she loved helping people vote. Like that was the thing that made her so passionate about her job. And like, I cannot imagine anything like pure in terms of democracy than than waking up every day and helping people navigate their power as voters and and put that kind of energy into your day and that's what her job was and she was so happy to help people navigate and become voters and to engage in that power and now she she had to give that up not only that, it's attacking the very foundations of this idea that people should engage and vote. Like when you attack election workers, you attack the very notion of participation. And like that's it's just such a sick thing to watch this happen and to think about how many black people just like honestly give to this country, even though it never comes through for us. And it did it again. You see, like, she was willing to do the work, and that was the consequence, you know, being targeted that way. Yeah, I, the most heartbreaking parts for me, I mean, all of it was, is just she kept, you could tell that she really was struggling internally with yeah. her decision to be an election worker, which, as a, as you were saying, it was a very noble and powerful and important decision. And she was like, you know, I always do this. I always go out of my way to help people. And I wonder if maybe it was that instinct that put my family in danger. And just, I hope she knows that that's not, that that's not true. Yeah. And it really, it's, it's disturbing on another level because it's like, what person is going to want to be an election worker now? That's just like a normal average person who just kind of genuinely is like, oh, that seems like an interesting job. I could do that for a day. I like helping people. Now, the only people who are going to want to be election workers are people who are radicalized either, like, on our side, who are like, I have to put myself at risk to protect the election, or Trump psychos, who we've seen. They're now trying to install them as secretaries of state. That Steve Bannon goes on and on about this on his podcast. Not that I'm frequently listening to Steve Bannon's <laughs> podcast, but I've heard tell that this Shirley's. is... Shirley's. 
well, you you know how much I love the war room, but like (laughs) it's a thing that he frequently tells these people who are radicalized and politicized to get involved. And we actually don't want those people running the elections. We want just average people who are like, oh, I love helping Mm -hmm. the elderly press a button. Like, we want people who are motivated by that, not people who are motivated because they don't think the elections are real. Yeah, absolutely. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same, with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash feverdream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Finally, we have made it to our Thursday game, Supporter Suppress, with, of course, the famous Bridget. <laughs> Bridget Swartz. How you doing, Bridget? Thanks for joining us. I'm good. How are you guys? Bridget is now the face of our TikTok, slowly becoming <laughs> wow. the face of Betcha's Sub TikTok. We've been rolling out uh, lots of stuff. She did a hilarious um, interpretation of Amy Coney Barrett writing her book. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. It was so funny. Oh, thank you. I was mostly just relieved that other people thought it was funny because it was very niche. But I think that's why it worked on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Britt. Where so if you this is your first time listening, this is our second time playing Supporters Press this week. But this is our weekly game where we're just going to talk through some headlines that we didn't maybe get to that didn't surface to uh, the top of our discussion list day to day, but that we definitely want to do uh, some quick discussion of. Notably, whether we support this concept or think it should be suppressed. So, where are we starting, Bridget? Um, we're going to start with what other than the new Beyonce song. Um, so she released, um, her first single in like, I don't know how many years, um, the other day. And it is like, is it an anti-capitalist anthem? Um, or is she like capitalizing on the labor movement? That's kind of the conversation with it. Um, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Um, one of the lyrics is like, release your job and like, Mm -hmm. I'll, like do things that like make you happy and um but it's also like it's Beyonce like yeah she's speaking from like a point of like being Beyonce too so right this is one of those things where I I think what Millie says a lot we were talking about this yesterday after the podcast which is like can we enjoy anything can we really just enjoy anything can we just enjoy the Beyonce song or do we have to do we have to question her is she is she exploiting or co-opting the labor movement? <laughs> or is she just like, you know, recognizing it, appreciating it? Sometimes I think that she's just letting us know that she still knows regular humans and that like even though she's <laughs> Beyonce, she's aware that 
us normal people, we live our lives. And she just wants to be part of that for a second. I mean, she's like, yeah, she read an article on the Great Resignation. Girl, you haven't had a nine to five ever, ever. You were a teenager when Destiny's Child took off. Like you literally have never, ever, ever clocked in. But you know what? Like she knows that we do. And she knows that Mm -hmm. we're like regular people. And she just wants us to, to feel joy. Yeah, Maybe like, I don't know, whatever. Is Beyonce in the Illuminati? Of course, but <laughs> <laughs> of course she is. But she, <laughs> I don't know, I think Beyonce's job is to be a pop star who creates music for the masses, and she has her ear to the ground about what people are talking about, and she made a song about that. Is it applicable to her actual life? No, <laughs> probably not. Um, a lot of her songs about romance have not been applicable to her actual life, too. Like <laughs> your billionaire rapper husband has never cheated on you, Elise. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I, I just feel like, yeah, it's a very like, uh, is Beyonce taking advantage of the labor movement? Maybe. I don't know. She's a pop star. She wrote a song, and she's her job is to write songs about sentiments that are in the zeitgeist right now and the labor movement is growing right now and people are talking about their jobs so that's why she wrote a song about it if that's exploitative okay i'm with you i feel like everything's fine unless like if with this song and you know a week comes out and we learn that the people making ivy park are devastated and in pain and three years old then yeah this song does not does not work. <laughs> yeah, like, I guess if I found out that Beyonce is a really bad boss, I'd be like, <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, right. whatever. It's not right, like Elon right. Musk wrote the song. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I can't wait for the album, and I'm very excited because the album comes out the day before our live show. So oh we my can god! Do fresh, fresh it's reacts. Been so long. Just have a dance party. It really has been so long. Uh, this is how I think a lot of people relate to this. Relate to this. When I was talking to friends about this. Like Beyonce normally will sort of introduce new eras. So a lot of times her first singles, like they take me a minute to sort of digest and figure out what they what they serve me. But I uh, but they always do. They always do. Yeah. What's next, Bridget? Lighter fair again? Um. No. Sadly. <laughs> <laughs> the next Here one we go. is. Best. This New York Magazine article um, earlier this week, they published a cover story called Cancelled at 17, um, which was a like sympathetic piece about this anonymous high school boy who basically showed his friends nudes of his then girlfriend at a party. Um, and then it coincided with like this Title IX reckoning at their high school. Um, so then there was like a list that ended up on the girl's bathroom wall that was called people to watch out for. And his name was on it. And this whole article is basically talking about like how difficult life is for teenagers right now, because like they are coming back to school and they can also be canceled for like leaking nudes. Like I don't really even it's yeah. I have so many thoughts on it. I'm so curious. It was like, I will admit that I did not finish reading it because it was 8,000 words. So I read a bunch of summaries, but I saw, I actually saw both of, both, um, both I read of you, it. Caitlin and Elise. You read the whole thing. Tell us, tell us. I want to hear all of you. And Bridget, as somebody who's slightly closer to 17 than all of us, we definitely need to hear from you too. <laughs> I mean, I, the reason I kept reading it was because <laughs> I was like waiting it 
for it to be about something else or for yes. it to like make a different point than it was making. Cause I clicked on it at first because I do think there's an interesting conversation to have about how high schoolers deal with the changing morality of our times. How do they deal with each other? How does quote unquote cancel culture represent itself in a high school? Those things are interesting to me. That's not what this article was. The article was very, I mean, literally I would say fawning over this boy. Yeah. Who showed news to his girlfriend. Um, the, the part where they actually get to explaining what he did, the author literally goes, and he really fucked up here. He knows he did it. Everyone agrees. So just put your judgment aside. Which I'm like, why? Is, it was such a weird way to explain that he showed like intimate images of his girlfriend. The like she entire 8,000 word piece she like, relies on the fact you even that hear it's not that bad. Yeah. And it's like, also, what she ultimately details occurs with this boy is what happened to girls at my high school when nude photos of them were leaked. So he, like, was ostracized. People didn't want to sit with him on the bus. Those things, like, those are painful things to go through, but those happen to high school— those things happen among high schoolers well before cancel culture. They'll continue to happen forever. Weird high school ostracization happens. And back in my day, it was not for actually doing things that are bad. It was, like, for being in the photos or for, like, being a not thin. <laughs> like, yeah, like getting a weird like, haircut, having yeah, off-brand exactly. shoes. Yeah, exactly. Like, I honestly... I'll start by saying I'm going to support the article because the article actually made me happy to know that these high school things are now being wielded against perpetrators of actual abuse <laughs> and not just like girls who like kissed the wrong boy at a party and now everyone's going to treat them this way. Right. Oppose the thesis of the article, but support all but of support the things. That, that actually this is what high schoolers are doing. <laughs> Right, right. And I guess some details, I guess that like, you know, what this author seemed particularly concerned about was that like, you know, these these students, the female students weren't really getting the attention that they wanted on this subject. And so how they sort of tried to alert each other of who to maybe stay away from was by writing some of these people's names on a bathroom wall. And they acted like... <laughs> that, that, that this was like the worst thing that could ever happen to these boys. Like it was like, like scrawled in an encyclopedia, but getting your name the, written when, on the bathroom wall is a high school. It, like that has been happening right. in high schools forever. It's just the, the list used to be of sluts. Like they would just be like, these are the girls that are skanky. And that would be the list. And now it's like, these are men who are dangerous and people are like, we can't be having this. And why do you think those girls wrote it there? Because they had no other, because the, the, the school wasn't responding the way they needed. How else are you supposed to communicate to each other? Like, of course, that's not ideal. The shitty medium list is not ideal. But they're, they're, they're sometimes like it's, it's the only available option. One of the things that really, really, really angered me about that piece was the fact that she brought up that there was a girl of color who was working on holding the administration accountable for the lack of action, systemic action and support for girls and femmes at school who are being attacked, degraded, dismissed and hurt by boys. And in, in effect, like her entire thing got drowned out when the Whisper Network went public 
when like she she tried to like hold a walkout and then it never gets revisited the fact that like these are natural responses to systemic failure and like systems where you don't have proper accountability people will make their own accountability and they will be often be harsher and less accurate than if there was an accurate systemic response designed to get to the truth so that way you do for people who are unfairly canceled for sharing intimate photos of their significant other i i'm just like i'm just baffled like just utterly baffled um but like in case like it's too bad to share nudes or something and you didn't do this terrible thing um then yeah okay fine like there's a system in place that would get to the core of it but the problem is, is that like his girlfriend went, his then girlfriend, ex, went to authority, was like, hey, this is a problem. And they didn't have a system set up to say, hey, actually, this is going to cost you something, Diego. Okay, this is going to come with some consequences and repercussions. And that's going to show up when you do stuff. And then people wouldn't have to do the social sanctioning to the same degree because then they could make decisions on their own. It's like, he's getting punished. I can decide whether or not I think he's he's paid enough or whether or not I think I just don't want that in my life. And the, and then and then they're teenagers. They're just teenagers. We all right. went through trauma. It's fine. We're not you make it to adulthood and then life is just a giant more complicated high school. Yeah, my instinct and I know it's not the right instinct because there's a lot of problems with saying this, but like high schools do have their own kind of ecosystems and social systems and they every nobody has an amazing time in high school like a lot of things happen to you so it's just incredible that I said this to Elise yesterday but it is always jarring to me I'm I am still genuinely surprised to see how much like this woman author in 8,000 words how hard she worked to put this one man's young man's comfort over this young woman's humanity, who her naked body was showed to her peers when she was a minor. Like, why are, why is the whole article not about that? And I feel like this is sort of like a popular thing to discuss around. Are college campuses too woke? Are, is there too much social sanctioning in high school? And Bridget, as someone who's like closer to these experiences than, than we are, how did you, how did you read this? Like, I felt like they were projecting a lot of things onto your kind of like 10 year age group. Uh, yeah, I have like, I have so many thoughts about it. Like, there's, <laughs> like, the th- the thing that I think was like so overlooked is like, and I think is like generally overlooked. Like, a lot of people don't like even realize like how much Betsy DeVos changed Title Nine. Like, it went from a system that was like initially meant to like protect survivors to like existing to protect schools and institutions and administrations like to the point where like title nine coordinators like literally will lose their jobs for saying or like even like appearing in protest pictures or something saying that they believe survivors like it is when I graduated like the Planned Parenthood group that I was working with we like we're kind of trying to take on our school's Title IX system. And like our Title IX director literally was like, I cannot come out and say I believe survivors because I will be fired. Like to that extent. Crazy. And like even, t- yeah. yeah. And today the Biden administration announced that like, I saw that they're going to reverse a bunch of those things. And like, they're going to do more to protect trans students and protect survivors. And 
like a bunch of great stuff, but like that can only come through the pipeline like now because for the last four years it was so like turned on its head. Um, and like an already problematic system that was like then made even worse. So I just feel like that, like that wasn't played into here. Like this kid's life isn't going to be ruined by this. Like he'll go to college in two years and no one will know that he was Diego. It doesn't even seem like the author is making the case that don't ruin his, like she thinks his life is ruined. It's like, she literally just wants him to have maximum comfort for these few more years he's in school. Yeah. Which is so ridiculous because like at the same time, like sexual assaulters are on the Supreme court. Like they're yeah. like, this man can like, he will go on and he will like be, he could become a Supreme court justice. Oh, like, God. whereas this girl who's like nude was leaked. If her identity like got out, like who knows what could happen to that in her professional career. That's like such that, a good point. Yeah. It's just, it's so ridiculous. And it just like reads as like almost trying to like vilify high school students for like, sort of like doing what the thing that they needed to do because the system wasn't going to work for them. Or it's like writing names was like a safety thing for them. Like it was their way of being like, I like, like what Caitlin said, social sanctioning. That's a fancy way to put it. I'm going to keep saying that. Anytime I talk shit about someone, I'm just be like, it's social sanctioning. Shame is like underutilized by, and the only, yes. I think that's like one of the things that was so problematic about the piece is like, it's trying to take away one of the few things that people who are, victimized and marginalized by this system have we only really have the ability to challenge these systems because they're not set up for us and they don't believe this stuff is real and it's like in order to prove it needs to be like some crazy scenario where it's like it's so obvious he was nothing but slouching evil draped in the the, the blood of like innocent yeah. whatever. and it's like then it's like, right oh, i believe he he did it He's an evil. But it's like if a guy but not like, sweet I Diego. Know, he loves Nivea deodorant, you guys. Like, could he really have done this thing? And they're taking all that from us. <laughs> well, it's also really interesting in the piece the way that the author fawns over quote unquote the kid pseudonym Diego. But the way that the author describes another boy who she calls the enforcer who has kind of, like, I don't know, he makes sure that this kid stays canceled, I guess, or has been particularly outraged about the behavior of this boy. The author only refers to this kid as the enforcer and describes him as truly the most menacing presence in the world. And it's like, you're literally just describing maybe an overzealous high school kid. And also, like, again, I just walked away from the article being like, proud of these high school girls and kind of feeling like, oh, it's really actually awesome to see that these girls are taking these things into their own hands and like lifting each other up. Because when I was in high school and throughout, you know, I had the Roast of Your Teenage Self podcast where I talked about a lot of people's high school experience around my age, like we girls did not have solidarity like that among themselves for the most part. It was not encouraged. It was a very, um, I'm not a feminist because feminists are annoying Mm -hmm. type of time, especially for high schoolers. It was a very like guys, girl, I'm not like them type of time. So 
Again, I'm going to go back to my support of the article, but not for any of the reasons that the author thought. I just came away and was like, oh, it fucking rocks that girls actually protect themselves like this now and that the list is of boys who are perpetrators and not girls who were harmed. Because that's what the list... The lists that were written on the bathroom wall at my high school were of girls who stepped out of their social role in some way or were deemed, quote-unquote, slutty in some way or whatever. It was not lists of boys who hurt them or boys who were dangerous. So I'm actually happy that that's what's going on. That list, what does that list exist to do? To make other boys scared of getting on it. That is a good thing. That is a positive thing. Boys should be scared of getting on the on the creepy assaulter list and they will be fine. They will be fine. <laughs> yeah, and lives. also they should, like, girls have lived in terror of being on lists in high school for, for fucking Ugly list, hot list, slut list. Exactly. You could be on some lists. There were so many lists that you could be on that actually had nothing to do with your with you at all or your level of morality or anything that you've done. You didn't have to harm a single person to end up on any of the lists that circulated with girls' names on them when I was in high school. So this is actually an improvement list. Yeah, I I was targeted. And let me tell you. No, it's, I was hurt by a guy and that person was like, the, the, and the best thing part, part was like, because they were more popular, they got to lie about the entire circumstance. And so when I was badgered oh into talking about what actually happened, they asked me to pull it down because it was so embarrassing about how obvious the lie they'd been caught in. And I agreed to do it because the amount of pressure that was going on from oh everybody God. was so bad. And I just want to clarify, I lived at my school. There yeah. was no home. There was no break. I lived there 24 hours with my classmates harassing me. So there was no time well, that's protecting me of that. And like, that's the kind of situation that we've been putting girls in for forever where, and like, <laughs> that's it's good and as we said it's a good thing that for once boys <laughs> are experiencing that it's funny too because the next year there was a boy who wasn't allowed to graduate because of statutory things and every, not only is that not talked about that person I found out went on to become like a six-figure financial recruiter yep yep exactly yeah Diego will be fine. Diego, honestly, I think that some guy is going to come out and pretend that he is revealing himself as Diego, but it's not Diego because he thinks it will politically benefit him running in the Republican Absolutely. Party. So just wait out for that. Yeah. Diego 2024. This like reactionary backlash to feminism where it's like where women are like, we are people. And they're like, what? What the fuck? No, absolutely not. We will be stopping this. Right now, we are right, victims exactly. of this industrial complex that wants to make us accountable for doing terrible things, and it's not okay. Well, luckily, now that you've listened to this, you do not need to read the 8,000-word <laughs> article. You do not need to pay to read it. Just listen to this segment. Thank you, Bridget. Yes. That's our, that is our show for today. We'll be back Monday. Again, get your tickets for our live show at ah! betches.co slash sup live. If you want to come, get them now. There are not a lot of seats. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Better Sub Podcast. Bye. 
The Betches Sup Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at Betches.com. Betches.